Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars podcast covering all things from a galaxy far, far away. And what a range of things we have to cover today. We've got some big announcements this week from Disney's Investor Call. And of course, a brand new episode, the penultimate episode of The Mandalorian Season 2 to get through. So we're going to dig into some of that. What did we think of The Mandalorian? What were the ties to the bigger universe? Was it a bit of a good episode, a bit of a dodgy episode, and what do we think of these apparently 532,000 brand new Star Wars shows coming over the next 15 minutes to Disney Plus? We're going to dig into all of that right here on the show. But before I do that, a quick shout out to everyone that joins us on social media. Do go ahead and let's have a bit of bants over there. We do a lot of meme sharing on the old DMs. That's the way of the world in 2K2K. That's what we do these days. And we also like to have a bit of banter over on Twitter as well. Just if you, if you find yourself wanting to chat Star Wars, do so. Just do a search for Spark Rebellion in your uh, social media app of choice and we'll be over there with you to chat the bants. And if you want to become a part of the clan, if you want to become a part of the old mud horn, I can say that I'm the mud, Gaz is the horn. Come and join us over on Patreon, all right? You can do so. You can get yourself some sweet swag. You can get yourself some sweet access to some extra content coming up very shortly. And, of course, maybe even pick the random spotlight. So you can do that at patreon.com slash sparkofrebellion. Now that's all the guff out of the way. It's time to get to the good stuff. First and foremost, here he is. Here he is. Here he comes. I can see him. Mr. Gary Aylert, co-pilot. How's it going, dude? You all right? Morning, morning, dude. Yeah, I've picked myself up off the floor now. It's like everybody at Lucasfilm and Disney, like we've got to start talking about these shows. Kathleen Kennedy's like, no, 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 no. What we're going to do is we're going to give them boggle for months on end. And then boom, we're just going to hit them with everything. Merry Christmas. Dude, it was just one after that investor call, man. It was just one after the other. We'll come on to it in a minute, but freaking hell. I just couldn't handle it, dude. I started tweeting some stuff. People were loving it, interacting with other Star Wars fans. It's great. I thought that was it done. And another one, boom, another one. So yeah, it's been a really exciting, you know, like those weeks where it's just like, oh my God, just give me all the Star Wars. That was it. Like yesterday, yeah, it was just brilliant, man. So I'm doing really well. I'm just overwhelmed by all the stuff that's coming, dude. Yeah, there's a heck of a lot of it, and a lot of it with Marvel and a few other Disney properties as well. Um, you know, we don't have time to get into to the to the wider aspects of it, but um, everything from Pixar to Marvel to Star Wars, the, some of the Marvel stuff looks badass. You know, just like three seconds on that, I watched some of the trailers. Um, like they know how to pull it out of the bag. Like everything that I watched, I was just like, how have they done that? How have they made that concept that good? You know, forget the announcements of She Hulk and all that stuff. 
you know, what, what's amazing to me now is like, you know, think back to the old 24 days. You're like, that is a movie star on BBC Two. What is, what are you doing here? What is going on? <laughs> right. And now it's like, wait a second, this is TV. And that's the guy from Avengers Endgame. Like, what are you doing here? Like, what a, what a time to be alive. But yeah, I mean, the Loki stuff looked brilliant. Like, Eve, WandaVision looked outstanding. Falcon and Winter Soldier looked brilliant. Like, dude, Marvel in particular, they know how to pull this stuff out of the bag, don't they? Absolutely, dude. Like, they've been the best. And it's heartbreaking for me in a way. And you'll relate to this, absolutely. But going back many, many years, you and I, we're DC guys, basically. Um, and when we used to run our podcast years ago, uh, it was just such a great time to be a DC fan. This was before the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and all that stuff. And we were like, yeah, yeah, Marvel, whatever. And now fast forward, and they just do everything so well. And DC and their movie stuff, anyway, have been left behind a little bit. So it's heartbreaking from a DC point of view, but you cannot take anything away from uh, from the, the Marvel dudes. It's just outstanding, all of it. It is, man. It's patience. I think that's, that's the, the key thing. They've had the patience to do it. Um, the, the one thing just to finish up on that one you're right completely I was thinking about this while I was washing up yesterday um, <clears throat> just this idea that like DC have been so good at multiverse stuff forever like that is what they do right since crisis you know when, when, when we say we're DC people it's, a lot of it is the reading and like they have owned the multiversal side of things and they've announced Keaton as Batman and all that kind of stuff they're coming back for that but they can't get it off the ground quick enough. They can't get it off the ground. So now, you know, you, you're looking at Alfred Molina's confirmed from Spidey 2 to come back for the new Tom Holland. You've got Garfield and pretty much Tobey Maguire all bar confirmed. Same as Kirsten Dunst, maybe even Emma Stone, depending on her pregnancy. Um, you've got Jamie Foxx. Like, they are... And that's coming out, dude, like, next year. It's coming out in Christmas next year. So you just think, how can they pull it together so quickly? And DC are like... Where's the camera, Dennis? Where, where do we put the thing? You know what I mean? They're so slow <laughs> with it. But anyway, it's a, t- it's a good time to be a bit of a geek and a nerd, dude. Um, well, let's get straight into it. Normally, we do what's been going on in Star Wars this week. But outside of the normal reading and video game, and I think everything is dominated by this announcement on the investor call. So let's quickly zip through <clears throat> the, the big announcements. And then what we'll do is we'll dig into some of the ones that I think interest us a little bit more. Um, so let's very quickly zip through what they announced. So Kathleen Kennedy, there's a picture of her floating around with all of the picture of the Lucasfilm stuff behind her. Because, of course, Lucasfilm is not just doing Star Wars stuff. It is doing Willow uh, and some other stuff as well. So we're just going to dig into the Star Wars stuff. We're not going to bother with Willow. Like, all right, we get it. Val Kilmer's back, whatever. Whatever. He better be <laughs> bloody back. Anyway, from a Star Wars perspective, we have Rangers of the New Republic, which runs alongside the concurrent time frame is that of the Mandalorian. So that's quite fascinating, as is the second thing, which is, of course, the Ahsoka Tano story, the TV show featuring Rosario Dawson, and, of course, Bokatan cries in the form of Katie Sackhoff. Um, both of those things run alongside the Mandalorian. And apparently, I don't know if you heard this, dude, but apparently this is a bit of a... They all tie together to form a bigger story. So it's a little bit of a Defenders thing. You know, it's a bit of a Marvel Netflix ah. daredevil Sort okay. of scenario. So that's yeah. that's interesting. We've got Rogue Squadron, directed by none other than the fantastic Patty Jenkins, uh, who's behind Wonder Woman and the second Wonder Woman 84 coming up uh, on Christmas Day. We've then got a very interesting one, which is The Acolyte, which is a mystery thriller set right at the end 
of the High Republic era, which is quite an interesting announcement. We've got the Bad Batch. We got a new trailer for that, which just, you know, if you've seen Clone Wars Season 7, what's not to like about these guys? It's just a really interesting little animated series. So, yeah, keen for that one. Um, we got Star Wars Visions, which is a series of animated short films uh, in the Japanese anime style that seems to be set to highlight diversification, which is quite an interesting move uh, and probably quite a welcome move, I think, for, for Lucasfilm uh, overall. We've then got Andor, the Cassian Andor series from Rogue One. You remember Diego Luna's character. We also got a sweet little sizzle reel for that one, which actually got me quite excited. Um, we got a droid story, which was a charming little addition. I was... Remember the old... Um, the old droids TV show, the cartoon. Cartoon, was, yeah. Yeah, it just evoked that kind of instantly. I was like, oh, all right, let's see what they do with this one. Then we've got Lando, TBC, whether it's Donald Glover, TBC, whether Billy D is going to make an appearance, but we've got a Lando event series. So I don't know if that's going to be a one-off because they're also describing this next announcement as, a, as an event series as well, which I don't know if it means that it's just a one-off. We don't want to make a movie. We need a bit longer. We're going to do an event TV series. But, of course, we got confirmation of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series with the gargantuan announcement that one Hayden Christensen will be returning as Darth Vader, which is pretty badass. And we got confirmation of when this takes place, which is a really interesting time frame. We thought it was going to be five years post-Revenge of the Sith in the Han Solo uh, time frame. Um, in the Calcetsis time frame, you know, in the Fallen Order time frame, that kind of interesting time period. It's not. It's a little later. It's actually 10 years after the adventure of, uh, of Revenge of the Sith. So right in the middle of the Empire's rule, right in the centre of it, almost the central point of the rule of the Empire. So, dude, lots of fascinating stuff. What say thee? What got your attention, dude? Yeah, loads of fact. Like, like you said, the whole thing is just overflowing with with awesome stuff. There, there's a few things that I'm really hyped for. Of course, we're, we're hyped for everything, but a few things that stick out. The obvious one is the Kenobi series, because there were so many unknowns about it. Now we've got a little bit more of information. It sounds like like that ten year post Revenge of the Sith. I think is a much better time frame to do it because the Empire is really ramped up at that point doesn't sound like a lot of time in real world time five years but dude having that 10 years afterwards where like you said the empire's really uh, sort of uh, ramping up that's going to be awesome and uh, and hayden as well that's uh that's an interesting one isn't it because i assume because they've cast hayden christians and we're going to see plenty of unmasked vader Otherwise, they they could have just cast anybody to wear the suit. It doesn't have to be him. So I'm hoping for some unmasked shots there. Uh, the other one that's got me hyped is the Rogue Squadron film. The little teaser that they put out. Uh, I don't think Disney put it out directly. I think it was um, uh, Patty Jenkins on her own Twitter account put out a little video. It was just badass, dude. She's like rollerblading down this <laughs> runway, gets to her car. She's just chatting about, yeah, her dad was in the Air Force, all that stuff. And she's like, I've been looking for a really good fighter pilot movie to make forever i've just never found one now i found one and she turns around she runs off and there's a freaking x-wing just there and she oh man that, that and the music and that as well that got me choked up that was so i'm really hyped for that one because i, I just really like her as a person as a director i think she's going to do like that's going to be sweet dude and then the other one which has me intrigued um is this uh, acolyte 
uh, thing. That just sounds like it's out of all of them. I think that that's the one that's got the most amount of mystery surrounding it because of the High Republic uh, stuff, which we know very little about thus far. So I think that one's got me intrigued the most. The other ones I'm just really looking forward to, man, like those animated ones like the Bad Batch and the Droid Story stuff. It's just, I don't know, it's all it's all awesome, dude. But those three have me uh, hyped the most. What about you? Any highlights? Not too dissimilar, actually. Um, what I'm enjoying about this current batch of Star Wars announcements is the diversity. Um the, the Rogue Squadron, like you said, I, I'm very interested in that one because it's Patty Jenkins and because of what she did with Wonder Woman and everything else. That Just how she is. You know, she came out this week and lambasted um, Joss Whedon's final version of the Justice League. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You're, kinda, you're my kind of person. Um, so I was, I was very pleased to see Patty Jenkins involved in that one. And I, I, I'm fascinated by this idea of a fighter pilot, you know, just... Being on the big screen and seeing how they pull that off, because some of the best scenes from the prequels when you've got Anakin doing his thing in the cockpit of a fighter pilot, some of the best scenes out of any of the other trilogies have been in the Falcon. And, you know, even even when you look at the um, Carl Weathers directed episode of The Mandalorian, some of the best parts of that were when he was the gunner. Um, so Star Wars has got this rich history of that one. And I think just focusing tightly on that and what a you know what a time just coincidentally for you as well reading alphabet squadron like you're right in the midst of that sort of stuff the level of action is just such a different layer to what we've seen before um so i'm, I'm fascinated by that one dude um the acolyte i agree with i think that's a very interesting move very interesting ballsy move to bring that era into these announcements right now when we've not seen anything like that's quite an interesting bold move um so i kind of applaud that one as for the Hayden Christensen thing, I'm fascinated by it because I thought the same thing. I'm like, well, we've kind of always wanted to see Vader with his mask off, like in that beat up, how's the person? Like that's the fascinating part of Vader these days is that how's this guy who was on track to have two twins become a Jedi master at some point? You know, that department's pretty sweet. Like he was doing all right for himself. Like, what happens when he just turns into this cyborg, cybernetic, bloody war machine? Like, what is the man behind that? So I think that's a really fascinating thing, because like you said, they could have put anyone in the suit. Um, the two things that I'm curious about that over and above whether we'll see the helmet off is, is James Earl Jones back? Surely he has to be back. Surely. Got to be. You can't imagine, like, Hayden Christensen. You know what I mean? I hate sand. And Obi-Wan's like, really? 10 years. It's been 10, that and that's what you come at me with. Right. My old master. 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 <laughs> no, we don't want that. We, we need a little bit of James Earl. So hopefully he's going to be back. <clears throat> the second thing that got me com uh, curious about, about this one was, um, like, are we going to see any kind of flashbacky things? Are we going to see any of the unseen stories between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Some of the stuff that maybe pushed Anakin further away from the Jedi. Because let's be honest, Ewan McGregor looks pretty sweet. He's a decent looking guy. He's not aged badly. You know, they could dress him up in the Revenge of the Sith stuff. There's just a lot of stuff in there that we could say, let's dig into, let's do some flashbacks, let's do some stuff like that. And then the other thing as well that, I, that, that popped into my head earlier on was, <clears throat> you, you got to think about it, you've got... 
the Ahsoka show being commissioned and now hearing hearing Christensen on contract, like, is that to set up some flashbacks as well? So I don't know. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there, dude. So that's got me curious. And then I think the other one that I'm kind of just a bit concerned about is the quality of the Mandalorian being so good. I just worry that they'll do a bit of a Netflix boo-boo on it. You know, the individual shows that Netflix did for Marvel, Daredevil and so on were fantastic standalone shows and, and the Defenders wasn't that good. Um, so I'm just a little bit worried that... Someone's at my door. I'm just a bit worried that they'll just... They'll kind of bleed that time frame way too much and it'll become too much of a... Um, like a bit of a sap from the Mandalorian. Do you know what I mean? Um, like too much of a good thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I read you, buddy. It's... Um well, that's a danger of anything, right? Anything TV, you have this good thing going. And we've been, let's be honest, The Mandalorian has been awesome both seasons so far. When you start piling stuff on and on and on, you do come to that point where it's like, how do you how do you maintain the quality? Where do you start drawing the line between quantity and quality? You've got to make sure that that is like both le- level playing field. So... I think we're going to be okay because if you look at what what we were talking about earlier with Marvel, how they've maintained that level of quality over years now. We've had the odd one that's not... They've all been great films, but for the majority of them, they've all been you know, pretty sweet films. So I think we'll be good. And I, I've got faith in the, the people running the Disney Plus TV stuff as well, just based on how good The Mandalorian's been. So we should be okay, but yeah... Is a bit of a concern, mate. What a week. What a week. And uh, good to be able to wrap that up as well. So, yeah, thanks for running through that with us, dude. And thanks to uh, thanks to Disney for dropping that on us. That was a nice Christmas present. We, we kind of said that they had to do something, didn't, didn't we, before the end of the year. Um, it's not surprising because Disney Plus, I mean, attrition must be an interesting problem for them um, when it comes to, you know, they've only got The Mandalorian. You know, they've got to get something released. And it sounds like they want a Star Wars TV show on TV every week of the year, which... I'm all right with that, mate. I think we're all, we're all good for that, yeah. And uh, just lastly, I think one of the other cool things is the Lightyear movie that's coming out in 2022, oh, which yeah. is the Buzz Lightyear origin story voiced by Chris Evans. Yeah, so it's got old be... uh, Captain America in it. Dude, can I just say on that point, like, uh, you know, all these big actors and things, I said it earlier on, how good is it now to see things not compromising? So what I talk about here is as a DC fan, as a Marvel fan, we have been used to compromising on stuff for years. Like, ah, oh, they can't use Batman because of this in Smallville. They can't use Wonder Woman. They can't use Flash. Now it's, like I said earlier, now it's like all connected. Everything's free reign. And all of this consolidation that's gone on the last 10 years with this IP and all these properties. Because there was other stuff like Fantastic Four movie. That was announced. Uh, John Watts, um, who does the Spider-Man trilogy, the, the new trilogy. He's doing the Fantastic Four. Um that consolidation is really now paying off for us as the nerds and the geeks. Like, what a freaking time to be a geek, dude. Just <laughs> what a time. Do you know what? Disney, just buy DC. Just buy DC for us. Let's just get it done. You reckon? Yeah. Warner Brothers are screwing the pooch on that one, aren't they? A little bit. Yeah. How much money you got? Because this is going to cost you. <laughs> yeah. This is going to cost you. <laughs> Oh, bloody Neil. Right, speaking of fantastic TV, 
<laughs> the penultimate episode of The Mandalorian aired yesterday. Season 2, episode 9, chapter 15. The Believer. The Believer. Weird little episode, dude. Weird little episode. And I want to dig into it because I think it is quite a fascinating one. So very, very quick recap, and I'll, then I'll get you one, one first kind of uh, hit of a review on it. So we find Mando and Kara and the Fett clan now going to bust old uh, Mayfell out of the uh, out of the prison camp, and in a surprising turn, we don't get a prison break episode. We actually get a oh, like that droid was loose, man. He was like, oh, you're a ranger, yeah, let's take the prisoner. Like, no paperwork. So, <laughs> Mayfeld leaves, bounces with Kara and Mando and the Fett clan, and they head off to go and try and get the coordinates from, of, sorry, of Moff Gideon's ship to go and find the nipper, uh, the kiddo, the Grogu. And, of course, then it leads to a bit of a, uh, a bit of an interesting episode where they have to basically go into this refinery um, and just try and get these coordinates. But the real kicker of this, the MacGuffin being the coordinates, that wasn't the interesting part of this story. So we'll get to it. Well, I'm, I know we're going to dig into it in a second. Um, but what an interesting episode, dude. What did you think of it? What did you think of it? Uh, yeah, it was slightly weird in that it was unexpected, I think is the best way to put it. I honestly thought, like you, we were going to have a, a big-ass prison break thing. But we didn't. However, it was still a very cool episode with new Boba Fett armor that looks brand new. Because what was that all about? I was like, so he got time to <laughs> click, like, why is he cleaned it up? And he's got all the scratches out, but he's left the dent. Yeah, yeah. You can tell, though, can't you, that he's in the back of the ship trying to scrub it down. And then Mando comes along with some genius bit of, like, cleaning, like a bit of Sillet Bang. He's like, that's coming off with tap water. Yeah. And he's like, crap, it is coming off. Yeah, let's do it. And then he emerges, and it's like he's just bought it yesterday. You know? It really is, isn't it? it <laughs> yeah, he was just like, hey, you like my new armor? <laughs> I like my new armor. Mando, friend, come and look at me. I got the new armor. Oh, God. He loved it's it. it. <laughs> Told Tamura was like, if I come back, I need the new armor. <laughs> <laughs> not coming back without the new armor that has a contractual thing on it like, I'll come back yeah he put but, it in there yeah. he was like last time I played two million clones this time one guy I need the new armor <laughs> that just stuck out to me man I was a bit disappointed to be honest with you me like, too oh man like that beat up scratched old armor it just looked really badass but now it's like I am yeah. so glad you noticed this dude <laughs> uh, overall dude it was a really it was a great episode as we've been spoilt with throughout season two, it's been awesome. Just unexpected. There was like the, the MacGuffin that you mentioned we'll come on to was actually a very cool piece of the, um, of the story because we had two, we had two big removals really. We had the, the, like you said, Grogu who was completely absent from this story. So that wasn't a, a thing anymore. And I thought it was all going to be about, uh, the Mando and Cara Dune. I thought she was still going to be a bit like, no, I can't, I can't. You know, just got this new office and everything, you know, and there was going to be some grief action and then we we're going to go off at the end as a bit of a cliffhanger. But it was more about, um, it was more about the dude, uh, Mayfield, Mayfield, sorry. And he turned out to be an awesome character. So unexpected, but 
unexpectedly good, if that makes sense. Yeah, man, I agree. I'm with you wholeheartedly on all of that stuff. So, well, let's get into it a little bit more. So I think, so for me, it was, it was like I expected a Prison Break episode. And even at the beginning, like I, this is what I've been so impressed with with Mando. Like there's been some filler episodes, which is kind of annoying. This was really at risk of being one. And you could argue that it was a filler episode. But the fantastically frustrating thing about The Mandalorian is that even when there's a filler episode, it's still the best Star Wars since Star Wars. So, like, you can't be mad at it. So you land on this planet and you're just like, right, okay, I see what's going on here. It was kind of going to be a filler episode to go get this thing, but it, they turned it into this more thematic episode. It was just more about the themes and blurring the lines, which, as we've spoken about before, like it's a very fascinating thing to cover. We've spoken about it, like I said before, in the Lost Stars book. Um, I think we even talked about it last week, about the perception of who was good, who was bad when it came to Boba Fett. Um, you know, and just the, 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 the motivations for people to do the things that they do was explored a lot more in this episode because you had the real range of people like you had the republic painted as just these officious policemen types with Kara being a little bit of a rebel um and and almost building on the Dave Filoni appearance and the you know that 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 other x-wing pilot I forget his name being a bit of a policeman douche and then you got this droid in this kind of dismantling yard which looked a little bit like told Bracker from from Fallen Order you know the breaking up the old ties um, recycling, that's good for the environment. Um, so they're breaking up the ties, and you know, this droid's a dick, man. You know, he's just like, do this thing, otherwise, I'm you will just get tased with this just this nightstick that I've got. And you're like, for a second, I was looking at it, I'm thinking, fucking Empire. Tw-. And then, so you see the logo, <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing here? Yeah. That's the new Republic. So, this was a fascinating episode for that. And Bill Burr, as Mayfell, really smashed it out of the park, man. Um, he's such a good. Um, genre actor. He's such a, a good, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like he's, he's a mainstay of this kind of like, he's not quite the star of anything, but you can always rely on him to be really bloody good at what he does. He did the same in Breaking Bad. He did the same in season one, Amanda. Um, so the themes of this episode were fantastic. And the, the, the range of themes, like that gray area, that middle ground, you know, um, around, Wait a sec, the stormtroopers are actually people. They're cheering for their own because they survived and they made it. And they don't know why they're doing this. They just know that that truck has to get to here. And these guys did it. So they're clapping them like, what camaraderie? Right through to the other extreme of um, Valen Hess, I think the name of the officer was, who's a complete asshole. And so that range, rather than just the Empire being the bad guys, just this one-off binary bad guy, it's now like, there's shades of grey in this. The themes were really interesting. So that, like I said, the risk of it being a filler episode, it was a high-risk episode. And I was like, oh, come on, really? Penultimate episode? But then when it really got into it, I was like, do you know what? Actually, this is really, really, really well-considered. So I was quite impressed with that side of it. Um, and like you said, I did not expect that. Didn't expect it to go there. Yeah, yeah, same deed. <clears throat> I think you're right, though. I think the themes that played out within this episode were really what sold it for me. Because we did have some some badass action scenes, like the whole um, when the pirates are attacking those dudes as they're trying to get to the the refinery and stuff. That was awesome, that whole bit there. And then the shootout thing within the refinery a bit later on. It was all really cool stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the thing that was that sold it was, um, like you said, the 
all the stormtroopers, and we saw like various different types, didn't we? We saw the standard stormtroopers. We also saw the uh, the other ones that we we saw in Rogue One, um, all sort of banded together. But they've we've we always view stormtroopers as just mindless cannon fodder, and they just mindlessly obey orders, and that's it. If they get killed, that's it. But like you said, when they when that when the 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 thing turns up, and they all start cheering and stuff, it's like yeah, they're they're actually. It gives them a real human side, which we haven't seen very much at all, really, outside of books and video games and stuff. So that was really cool. But there was one scene that just had me, like, my jaw on the floor, really. And it wasn't really – it wasn't action, but it was when um, Mayfeld and and, uh, and Din are in that section with the, with the officer. What was his name? Hess, something Hess. And uh, – and they're having this conversation, and it's one of the best conversations, dude, we've seen in The Mandalorian so far because it gives us two really important things. First of all, it gives us a very tiny inkling of where the Empire is heading because Hess is giving this like little monologue, really, about what's happening with the Empire and stuff. And he goes on to say something like, but what people really want is order. And they kind of he kind of emphasizes that word just a little bit more than the other his other sentence, and then that immediately my mind was just like, okay, first order, this is leading to like that the these people who are still imperial imperial slugs, yeah, um, post emperor, these dudes are now like right. What the galaxy needs is order, so let's call this thing the first order so that that led me on to that i was my mind was just like like that only that just one word was like man that's cool and then the other thing was um just the performance when mayfeld is sat there and you can see him getting more and more worked up because he's he served with all these dudes that are now dead and everything like that and uh it's kind of like it's done his mind in basically got a bit of ptsd it looks like so he's getting more and more worked up and then you you get to that point where you're like, because you've got Mando's just looking at him like, don't freaking say anything. Don't freak, like, don't blow it. And you can, it, it's such a great build up, dude. It's like, is he going to shoot him? Is he going to go nuts? Or is he just going to sort of fold and just, you know, carry on with the plan? But, and do you know what? Fair, fair play to him, man. Fair play to him for just taking that dude out, whipping all the other stormtroopers. And it, it was, so th- that whole scene for me, dude, was like some of the best, star wars um in the, and we've said this a few times haven't we like some of these uh, episodes especially in season two they are the best star wars we've had like you put it since star wars basically so those two scenes dude and those two bits were like oh my god this is amazing and we got to see mando without his helmet on again what, what are we saying well i think first of all um you're right that 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 entire scene was really exceptionally well done everything from like you said the order side of it and also did you notice the word imperial remnant thrown out throughout the episode now we're starting to see what these things are these little cells these little remnants that you know because of the canon we know that somewhere Ray Sloan is out there in the unknown regions pulling together the first order at this point and you know that she's you know realistically the goal is to mop these remnants up into the first order so it's like how much do the officers know about that are they on a mission you know are they trying to collect all this chemical up this um this refinery you know is this part of the bigger plan so like a lot of these things like you said lead to the first order which i think is fascinating because it's so unexplored but you're right dude that entire 
scene was framed so well, like evoked uh, the Greedo, the solo uh, scene in the cantina, you know, with the, the, the kind of positioning, the standoff, the, 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 the growing tension. Um, like you said, just Bill Burr's acting just progressively, you could see him just getting more and more wound up. Um, and what I what blew my mind as well, I was like, did they just legitimize a video game by mentioning Operation Cinder? Like, it's like we said last week, the Mandalorian and the writers like Filoni and Fav, it's like they're taking it upon themselves to sort Star Wars out. It's like they've just gone, right, we've got three years at this, we're going to sort everything out, let's do it. And they've just got free reign on it. Like, holy crap, they're just pulling everything together. Um... So, yeah, dude, I think you absolutely nailed it with that. I think that scene was just... It was one of the best scenes in all of The Mandalorian that we've seen, like, all seasons, you know? Um, and some of the best Star Wars, completely, because it filled the gap. Um, Mandalorian with his with his helmet off is an interesting one. So the first thing that I'm going to say with that one is, imagine you've been a Mandalorian foundling since you were young. So you're not allowed to take your helmet off, or are you not allowed to show your face, which I thought, again... When Bilbo's uh, Mayfeld addressed that, he was like, Favreau and Filoni know what the audience are thinking. They know exactly, and they're going to do everything to hit it on the nose and address it. And Because all the critique that we'd give it is like, well, what's the rule? Like he did it with the other Mandalorians. He's like, well, what's the rule? And he's like, we know that you're going to be thinking that, so we're going to put it in there. Like they just do that all the time. So I was really impressed with that. Because um, we still don't know what the bloody rule is. So imagine... You're this foundling. You've been told either you can't show your face or you're not allowed to take your helmet off, whatever the rule is. And you think to yourself, do you know what? I'm going to take the creed. I'm going to be a proper traditional Mandalorian. Screw this Bo-Katan. Screw this fat guy. But I'm going to grow a moustache. <laughs> do you know what I mean? What's the point? <laughs> Dude, you got, you got such a good point. Because <laughs> he shaved everything else, and he's a good-looking guy, Pedro Pascal. He's a good-looking guy. He's had a shave. He sorted himself out, and he's just like, I'm going to leave the moustache. Dude, that is so true. <laughs> Why would you bother if you're never going to show your face to anyone? But the thing is, I suppose, it's like, uh, that's a little bit of Hollywood thrown in, isn't it? Like yeah. even like even if you've got this dude that's like never going to show his face, he still needs to look damn sexy when he does yeah, take his helmet it. off. It's a Hollywood, isn't it? <laughs> oh man, that's such a good it's point. Hilarious. Well, maybe he's that's thinking like thought. maybe he thinks if he if he bumps into a to a female traditional Mandalorian, a woman Mandalorian, a war, yeah, and things do get a little bit, you know, he wants to look his best, I suppose. She's like, oh, you got a mustache. He's like, keep it trim. Just in case, <laughs> once a season, I take my uh, helmet off and I like the audience to know what I look like. But uh, yeah, outside of that, do you know what? I thought it was interesting. So I was a bit like, you know, um, I've said this before, I think, you know, in Thunderbirds, when uh, Virgil goes into Thunderbird 2, there are two sequences. There's the short one, which is like, oh, I'm on Tracy Island. Oh, I'm in Thunderbird 2. And Jamie, if you're listening to this, you just put more of this in when you're editing stuff. Because the second version is Virgil's on Tracy Island and he's like, I need to get into Thunderbird 2. I'm going a long way today. I'm going to go down the slide. I'm going to go down the spinny door. I'm going to go down the pole. I'm going to do the upside down twisty thing. And then I'm going to end up in my seat somehow. And it's going to be badass because there's going to be music. So as a kid, I was always like, <laughs> please let it be that one. Please let it be that one. And once every now and again, you saw it and it was badass. 
And I feel like that's the case with Amando with his helmet off. It's like once a season, it's like, come on, 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 come on. Oh, nearly. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. There it is. There's his little face. So I feel like it's once per season. They're like, we're going to show you his face. However, I thought this version of it was quite interesting. Because it's what everything, all of that parenting, all of that bit of banter between Grogu and everything that has gone before with that relationship has been leading up to that helmet coming off because in the first season, he took it off in front of a droid in order to save his own ass. In this episode, he took it off in front of a pile of Imperial humans to save someone else. And that was, a again, just such a thematic episode. I feel like it was just the right time and the right way to do it. Um, however, <clears throat> a couple of questions. Um... You know that terminal, right? Who is dealing with the security for the Empire these days, right? I reckon they're, like they mentioned the ISB, they're pretty badass guys, right? They are like the, um, the, the, the real kind of, I will torture you if, you if we even suspect you do anything wrong. Like their security is second to none. They're the Gestapo basically, right? So <clears throat> this guy... He's got all his buddies, and the logic is, right, Mayfeld, I can go to Terminal, used to work for the Empire, pretty sweet, it's going to register my face as Imperial. The others are like, yeah, I'll come with you. Mayfeld says, no, you can't, because what the Terminal also does, if it recognises that you are an enemy of the Empire, we've also got that registered, so we're gonna, it'll trigger things, right? So I understand all that, and the cute little thing where Fett's like, put it this way, they'll recognise my face. Like, oh, it's because it's a clone. <laughs> From the other films, smooth. Smooth. Smooth, right? So I understand both those two things. But the Mando gets this key, this USB stick, probably got off Amazon, pops it into this terminal, pops the helmet off, and the Imperial Bureau bloody terminal thing is just like, right, you're not Imperial, but you're not a bad guy. Yeah, you seem fine. (laughs) Come on in. Let me give you the coordinates for one of our top people. That was a huge plot hole, unless... He did used to be in the Empire. Yes. Uh, first of all, you cannot fault the quality of the Amazon the Amazon Basics USB sticks. You really can't, actually. Surprisingly well built. Yeah. They used to be just little black, cheap, plasticky things. Now they're, they're really nice chrome-looking things. Mm. You're not embarrassed turning up to a meeting with that. No. If anything, you're pleased. If anything, they should be equal. So, he's, uh, yeah, I get you, man. I'm I'm going to assume that they're relying on like the security, the security at the front gate. Like if you if you've got past the front gate, you you're good. You're part of the empire. You're part of the club. So once you're in that, they're relying on those dudes doing their job. If they've done their job properly, then you're kosher. So you can go and access any terminal. But it is a little bit loosey goosey from two aspects. The first one, like you just said, scans his face. You're not Empire, you're not an enemy, but you're probably all right because you got past the front gate. That's a bit loose. The second bit is the the officer, Hess, he has not, he would be written warning first and final, basically, because he eyes um, Mayfeld as he comes in. I've seen him before, looks a bit dodgy. I won't do anything. I'm just going to sit here and have a drink. And then he sees the Mando looking shifty as hell going over to the terminal. 
eyeing him up. He looks shifty. I won't do anything. And then even to the point where they're sat around the table and Mayfeld's giving him some, giving him some shit, some lip to an officer. He's like, let's still have a drink. Everything's still cool. So that dude, like immediately you'd be like, cuff him because he looks well dodged. I recognize him. Cuff that other guy because he's looking really dodge. Empire saves the day. But no, he's like, eh. maybe he just added one too many. I don't know. It was a bit loose, wasn't it? Like all of that was very much like, what are you doing here again? <laughs> what? Like that's all everyone's doing this time. They're just turning up in places they shouldn't do. And it's, you're right. That that was, a, it just seemed a really big plot point and a big hole. And I, I just, I can't believe that like Favreau and Filoni would let that one through. Do you know what I mean? Because they do, like we said, they're fixing everything else. And then they're like, yeah, but the terminals. Arrgh. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because throughout Star Wars, they've always done that with a droid. Like R2 will go up to a, a terminal bit, stick his little his little winky in, and then beep, 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 we're all off. Because that's a droid. You know, that's a non-organic thing. But when you've got people scanning faces and doing all that stuff and recognition and all that, you would have thought that they would have updated the firmware at that point to actually trigger this stuff. But very loose, man. Very loose. Yeah, it was. Well, Sam made a good point last night. We were talking about this very thing. And she was like, yeah, maybe maybe it is just to make sure it's not a droid. Like, they don't care really which human it is. As long as it's not one of the bad guys from the Republic or the Rebellion, we just want to make sure it's not a droid, that's all. Yeah, you know, maybe... Yeah. I mean, that's that's giving it some creative license. That is very... Yeah, you, you've got to... Yeah, you've just... I think it's one of those things, dude, where you've just got to go with it <laughs> and not sort of think too deep about it. Because if you do, you end up doing a podcast like we do where we dissect <laughs> it and like, eh, eh, it's not great. for only what you're doing. But, That's uh, true, isn't it? That is exactly yeah. it, man. Yeah. But the Imperial Security Bureau, I'm glad they got a little mention. I'd like to see those guys. Yeah, they're pretty badass, dude. They um, <clears throat> they always get the rap in the books and the extended universe, don't they, for just being the, the badasses. It would be nice to see someone you know, brought in that, because uh, like Thrawn tends to do, oh, he, he's certainly around the ISB a lot in the canon. Um, yeah, I, I agree, man. That could be quite interesting. Um, let's talk about how it looked, because um, there's a lot of cute little nods, you know, a lot of cute little things to talk about, like that they'll recognize my face, all that kind of stuff, like the, the character stuff, the story stuff was surprisingly fulfilling, despite the fact that it was a little filler. It was just a desperately good filler. Um but I want to talk a little bit about how this looked, because I think this might have been the, and this is saying something, this might have been the best-looking Mandalorian this season. Um, it looked brilliant. And everything from the speed style, um, almost Gears of war style um, chase with the pirates. I was just, I was desperate for Hondo to show up, by the way, but he didn't. Um, but just that entire sequence, the entire... Like, the vehicle looked very Halo. The world looked very Halo. It was all just really nice, lush stuff. Um, and I think it just looked beautiful, man. This episode just looked fantastic. What they can do with this volume stage is is, is, is unreal, man. Yeah, totally, dude. Yeah, and I agree with you about some other design influences being uh, trickle-fed in as well. Because it's obviously very Star Wars. That's you know the the designers and those uh, uh, the 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 designers for everything like vehicles, costumes, you know, locations. They 
an amazing job. It's very Star Wars-y, but it did feel a little bit Halo-y. Like the wheels on that juggernaut thing looked like the wheels off the Warthog in in Halo and stuff like that. And so I read you, man, it does, it looks like it's kind of lent into some other, some other right, really good sci-fi stuff, which is good. And I agree, man, it, it looked really good. It looked like, and again, it's another one of those episodes, which looks very far removed from a couple of episodes ago where we had the Ahsoka um, uh, story where that very much felt like a, like we said before, like a TV set. It looked very much like a, almost like you're watching a play in some respects, like it was on stage, excuse me. And, uh, and this one was just like the opposite end, like loads of really cool location stuff. And, uh, but what was really cool is it also lent from some other Star Wars-y-ness as well. It felt like the ending to Rogue One, you know, when they're on Scarif, is it Scarif? Yeah. When they're on Scarif, all the palm trees and blue skies and everything like that. It really felt like that. But what was also cool is that the look and feel of when they're inside the refinery, when they're walking through the the canteen <laughs> um, uh, and that whole bit there, that looked just like the scene in Solo when near the beginning, when he's getting his clearance, when they get separated and she gets dragged off and then he gets his clearance to go off and stuff. All of that, like how it was colour graded and the lighting and stuff, it looked very much like that sort of dark, uh, imperial, dingy looking uh, bit from Solo. So I completely agree, dude. It looked fantastic. And that that scene as well where we had the shootout at the end when they're climbing up the side of the refinery and stuff and you've got um, uh, Cara Dune and uh, uh, they're like snipering people and stuff like that. That looked like a, like a full-on feature film. You know, that looked like something like real massive budget you would see <clears throat> um, in like a proper big feature Star Wars film. So I completely agree, dude. It looked awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did, man. And it, it, I think that's a great point about the, 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 the budgetary investment into this kind of thing. Um, you know, it's really clear where the future of media is going, especially with COVID as well. You know, everything's been accelerated with COVID. Um, and it, it, it's fascinating when you look at what like Warner Brothers have done to screw over the filmmakers and just say, well, we're going to release everything on HBO Max as well. Like they all want their, they all want their dues from this recurring revenue. Like they've all woken up to this Netflix model. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see you know, especially on on a day like today when we're discussing this this tenfold show release schedule that they've put out, this idea that they're putting some of their biggest characters and their biggest bets onto a streaming service and putting the budgets in there that are, are really, really unheard of. You know, really, really unheard of. You know, they're, they're really opening their eyes to this recurring revenue model. So it's fascinating to see. Like, like I said, from a geek perspective, it's brilliant. Um, but it does make you wonder, like, what happens with the movies? You know, and I know there will be Star Wars movies, but it, 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 like, is there any point for the next five years? Like, why bother? What, what can they do that's better than seven hours of big budget content? Like, I don't know what they could do that would be better. It would, you know, because I, I struggle to see a movie that would be better quality than The Mandalorian. Um, so it's, it's sort of a weird time for that. Do you know what I mean? Like, they've sort of backed themselves into a position where it's like, well, I'm not that fussed. You know, it'd be great to see a movie, but I'll see it at home as well. You know, it's weird, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a strange old time. And I think you're, you, you know what, you're absolutely right about things have been accelerated due to COVID and stuff like that. And uh, are you referring to like the, um, is it the HBO Max stuff where they're going to put stuff, they're going to put films out at exactly the same time on their own streaming service as they go in the cinema? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm really undecided on that, mate, because on one hand, it's, it's like uber convenient just to be sat at home. But then we're all going to end up just like bloody, like those dudes in the film Wally. We just mm-hmm. end up like massive couch potatoes. We don't have to go anywhere. It's all there. But uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm you know, we're huge fans of going to the cinema. So uh, I don't know how I feel about that. But yeah, it, it's like, where do the films fit in? Because of all of that, that huge investor call, all those announcements and stuff, we only got two films out of all of it. That was the Rogue Squadron film. And then we had this little tiny tease about the Watiti film that's sometime in the future. And what's happened to the other ones? What's happened to the trilogy that Ryan Johnson's working on? Well, that's like, where does that fit into the big, the bigger picture, dude? But I'm living for Disney Plus at the minute, I'll be honest. I'm not really too fussed about movies at this point, unless they come with something like badass. I mean, I know Rogue, Rogue Squadron looks great, even though we know nothing about it. I, th- I think it's going to be great, but the wider picture dude i don't know like it's all disney plus and it's really weird because last week we said if they don't announce anything pretty soon probably not going to renew for next year and now yeah and now this so uh it's an interesting subject dude i think we could probably talk about it for a lot longer but yeah we're in relation to the films i don't don't know that's going to take some serious planning it might it might lead into depending on how this acolyte thing goes it might lead into some High Republic films further down the line because there's so much going on around this timeline at the minute. If you start making films around it as well, I don't know, it's going to be overkill. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird one. I have to admit, it's um, it's one of those where we've be, we have been here before, though. If you think about it, you know, they announce so much and it's realistically how much of this stuff will make it to screen. You know, we've been here before with a film a year for five years. You know, this was all announced. And we've, we we have been in this position before. Um, so whilst I'm excited for it, I do wonder, like, will all of this even come to fruition? Um, there is a there is a, a very slight bit of hope for that, though. Uh, so, yeah, so when Disney bought out Lucasfilm, they did that huge announcement, didn't they, about all of these films coming out. And then nothing really happened with a lot of it. The thing is with the TV stuff, though, the the sound stage, the volume thing that they've made the Mandalorian on, they're building another, at least two more, aren't they? There's going to be one here in the UK at Pinewood, and there's going to be another one. I think it's in Asia somewhere, or Japan or something like that. So you can see the investment in that stuff. So that gives us a little bit of hope that all of these things that they've announced will actually come to Disney Plus over the next couple of years. So that's a little bit of light at the, at the end of the tunnel, I think, dude. I think the, the the amount of money they're chucking at the production side of things gives us a bit of hope, I think. Yeah, that's a great point, dude. You're right, because that really is some amazing tech. So yes, that that, that is a fantastic point, man. Um, well, look, let's wrap it up. I mean, we've we've it's a funny old episode of the Mandalorian. There's been a heck of a lot to talk about, but this episode of the Mandalorian, there wasn't that much that went on in in terms of the wider the wider picture. We saw that badass scene at the end where Mando gave Gideon a warning. You know, that's really just lining up next week. Um, overall. For me, a decent episode, you know, it ran the risk of being filler. Um, and it was filler to a degree, but it was really good 
filler. Um, and it was really thematic filler. You know, everything is now morally grey in the Star Wars universe. You know, Star Wars is is growing up, I think, with, with this. Um, which might not be a good thing. It might be a brilliant thing. And I think, you know, not losing that kind of wonder and awe that the original trilogy brought is a wise thing. But I think understanding that the audience, like you and I, are maturing a little bit anyway and want to see something a little bit more deep. Um, I think they're towing the line a little bit nicely with The Mandalorian. Um, so I think thematically, you know, showing that moral greyness, who are really the good guys, you know, it's all about point of view, as we know Star Wars inevitably always is. Um, so an actually a decent episode, dude. So what's your view? What are you giving it? What's your score out of 10 for this little bad boy for uh, chapter 15? I'm going to give this one a 7.5 cuz I agree with you it's a filler but it's a good filler. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you dude. I was I was airing around the 7 7.5 as well. So I'm going to I'm going to pitch in with a 7 7.5 as well. I agree it's uh it's, it's such a good position to be in that the the quote unquote bad episode and I'm only using that because there's not a better word for the word bad because it's not a bad episode but it's what a, what a great piece of content when the bad episode is a seven and a half like that's not bad is it you know that's not bad at all dude So we're wrapping up for the year, actually. We've got probably the last episode of the year, I would imagine, next week, as we've got uh, The Mandalorian wrapping. Then it's Christmas the week after, and we'll have a little bit, a couple of week off as we inevitably do and come back the first week in January. So thanks to everyone that supported us this year. I know we'll do a lot of thank yous uh, next week as well, but we've got the, the last episode of The Mandalorian coming up next week. Let's enjoy that. Let's talk about that and see out the year with a bit of a Star Wars bang. So thanks to you for tuning in this year. Thanks to everyone that supports us on Patreon. Remember, you can do that over at patreon.com slash sparkofrebellion. Until next time, thank you very much. Guys, it's been a pleasure, dude. Thank you. A pleasure as always, dude. And yeah, what a year. Um, It's going to be great. So yeah, looking forward to next week, the wrap-up to the Mando. It's going to be awesome. Fingers crossed. And as Mark said, yeah, we're going to do a a bunch of thank yous next week. But until then, uh, please do take care of yourselves. As always, stay healthy. And may the Force be with you always.